All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome again to Ways to Win with Weinstein. I am super excited for this episode with my main man, Chad Van Horn. And Chad is a native of Pittsburgh. He, uh, he's actually one of the reasons we're sitting in this beautiful office uh, in Fort Lauderdale here today because he assisted with uh, giving me a place to open my doors to my law firm. Chad is actually uh, an entrepreneur. He's an author. He's the owner and operator of a very large law firm here in Florida. Um, he's also a volunteer, and I'm so excited to have you, Chad. Yeah, man. Th- thank you so much for having me. This, this office is incredible, and uh, you know, I knew you always had the work ethic to get here, um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm really, really proud of what you ended up doing. This is great, and thank, thank you for having me today. Absolutely. He's a mentor of mine, and um, you know, I got out of Nova Law School in 2012, and um, Chad helped me along the way with just advice of opening law firms and, and you know, how he did it and uh, was gracious enough to rent me space in his office as I started. Um, Which so, you quickly outgrew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was sad to see me go because I was paying rent and uh, uh, sad to see me see me go. So um, I wanted to, you know, my introduction of you, I guess, is all about, I mean, you've been able to succeed at such a high level. And what we like to talk about uh, on the show is kind of your tips, your tools, your secrets, how you got to where you are right now, um, and how you continue to grow, where you see yourself as well as your firm and your employees. Um, you know, Where do you see Van Horn Law Group in the future? Um, that's kind of where I want to go with the show today. So, Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. Um, so obviously Van Horn Law Group was founded in 2012, and that's, that's only a little bit about, about you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Talk about a little, you know, a little bit about your your upbringing and how you decided to get into the law field. Yeah, so um, actually, when I first started my law firm, everybody used to come in, all the clients, and say, "Oh, this is your dad's law firm." You know, being being a young guy, it's like, "No, no, I'm I'm the Van Horn." They said, "Well, you must come from a family of lawyers." Nope, first one. <laughs> uh, so Me too, by the way. It, 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 it's a beautiful thing. It's it's great. Um, but I grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, my dad died when I was young. He died when I was one. My mom stepped up. Had a great childhood, um, got a strong work ethic from my mom, started working when I was five, delivering papers with my brother, bussing tables. I, I, I counted the other day, I think I have, I've had a total of 31 jobs in my career. Um, so anything from you know, washing dishes, cutting grass to whatever. So I, I think that was what set the, the stage for at least having a strong work ethic. Um, my family... Um, came from the restaurant industry. Uh, my mom worked for a, a big uh, restaurant, uh, Yum Brands, uh, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, Long John Silver's. Uh, my dad had his own business, he, so he was an entrepreneur. He, he had a pizzeria. He had a bunch of different things that he was into as well. I always saw myself as an entrepreneur. I, I uh, started companies when I was younger from the uh, snow shovel, uh, snow removal business to raking leaves. We and don't know what that's like here in yeah, Florida. Exactly. Snow removal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I always knew that um, two things. I wanted to do something that, that would help people. And, and I always wanted to run my own business. So when, I, when the opportunity arose to go to law school, uh, I, I jumped on it, especially down here in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, funny story about that. I never visited Nova Southeastern's campus. I just got the video. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> it looks nice. No, <laughs> no snow. No snow. I don't, don't have to shovel anymore. <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. 
it's good. So, uh, so you never, did you ever visit Florida before choosing to come and study here? So I visited Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I had a friend in, in uh, West Palm. So for my birthday, we came down and he took me down to Fort Lauderdale. I was like, yeah, I want to live here. Yeah. And I, I remember we walked, uh, drove right by, um, like second street and, uh, all the, all the little bars and everything. And everybody's having so much fun. I was like, yeah, I think I could live in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> when, when was this again? So that would have been, uh, 2001 is when I came down. And, um, and no, 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 that wouldn't have been, that would have been 2004, sorry. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, getting old, I'm getting old, man. Yeah, and you attended Robert Morris. Where, where is that? Yeah, Robert Morris, just outside of Pittsburgh, go Colonials. Uh, and then I went to American University of Rome over in Italy. Uh, that would be the other place that, yeah. I, that I would have studied if they had an uh, Italian law school. You know uh, some Italian too? I, I used to be fluent. Wow. Yeah, so when I go back, I pick it back up, so... But yeah, it, I mean, it's been, it's been a, a great run for sure. And I, I love it down here and, and yeah, so that's, that's awesome. So, um, do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have, I have, a, an older brother who, um, really stepped up to the plate, uh, when I was out on my honeymoon and the pandemic was happening, he actually stepped in and, and helped, you know, keep the firm organized. And, uh, you know, we were moving people throughout the building and making sure we're social distancing. I mean, it was a crazy time. Uh, for me to be away, I, I was away pretty much the m- month of March because I got right. married February 29th. And uh, so so my brother, who, whose background is more in the bar restaurant industry and whatnot, really stepped up uh, for the firm. And I, I, I thank him for that. It's so interesting because, um, you know, we've had quite a few speakers on the show now, probably around six or seven. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the backgrounds, probably five of, out of them, uh, had a background in the service industry. Wow. Restaurants and things. And so... Um, you know, co- the correlation between uh, providing you know, service and being very customer oriented, it seems to translate uh, throughout their futures. For sure. And I, I think that everybody should have to spend one year mandatory service in the restaurant industry itself, like serving people and just learning how, how to be a good server, but also a good customer. Because right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> you really respect what those what those people are going through. So, uh, yeah, when I was bartending and serving, it was it was tough. Right. So, uh, looking to help people and open your own business, you decide on the law path, and you know, was law school everything you thought it would be, and then also becoming a lawyer. So, yeah, law school was crazy. I went to law school at night. Uh, I worked as a financial advisor during the day down here. Um, luckily, I you know I was twenty one when I when I started, so I still had a lot of energy because. You know, working all day, law school, and then of course going out at night. I I couldn't I couldn't do that now. Yeah. Um. So law school, you know, when you first get there, you don't know what to expect. Um. It's the first time that that um some people ever fail in their life, and they're you know I think it's like a thirty percent or forty percent failout rate, um, which is really really high. So it was a little stressful that that first semester because you just don't know. And there's a lot of talented people that you're in school with and and you're all competing for for good grades. And I guess it's on that bell curve. So there is a certain percent that's not going to make it. Um, But once once I got into the rhythm, uh, the the best part of law school for me were the people that I've met and the connections that I made. I mean, some of my best friends, uh, best man, best man at my wedding, my groom's party were a bunch of my law school friends. Um, So. It, I didn't know what to expect going into law school. Uh, I, I feel like other people had a better idea of what it was going to be. I just kind of grinded through it and uh, glad I did it. Yeah. So, you know, you get out, you get out of law school. I mean, law, law school is interesting because it, 
you know, it opens your eyes to a bunch of different fields and areas. Um, not necessarily the practical, like practical aspect. Um, how did you venture off and kind of find your niche? So what, going back to, I knew I wanted to help people and, and small businesses. And even as a financial advisor, that's what I was doing. Uh, and then I was actually bartending at Nova Southeastern's bar who uh, my friend Travis uh, actually hired me to help him out there. And it was awesome. Met a lot of good people. One of the, one of the people that I met there uh, was a bankruptcy attorney and I ended up clerking for him. He taught me a ton about bankruptcy and I saw the power that bankruptcy had to change people's lives for the better. And um, this was during the foreclosure crisis. So everybody's losing their homes. Everybody's needing either a foreclosure attorney or bankruptcy attorney. And I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, that was my first introduction to it. And then I've now st stuck with it for 12 years. Clerking for someone else uh, mm -hmm. really opened your eyes to the, the details. and Yeah, I had no idea what bankruptcy was. Right. And um, that's actually a, a great segue because part of the reason I would, you know, I love to have you on the show today is because, you know, our passion is also helping people in, in a different uh, area of their lives. But mm -hmm. bankruptcy to me is something that uh, it needs, it needs more, uh, you know, more definition, more, you know, education to the public and, and really understanding about it. And it's, it's also very interesting in the times we're in based mm -hmm. on economic hardship uh, and, and things like that. And um, our current president and, you know, people have questions and don't really know how it works. So if, if you want to, I know it could take probably <laughs> this entire day, but just briefly describe, you know, the process or what it means to file bankruptcy. Yeah. So I just, I just read an article that said the number one reason more people aren't filing bankruptcy right now is because of fear, you know, fear of the unknown. Um, it's my experience that the people that are educated about bankruptcy use it as, as a tool, just like they use a CPA in the tax code. Uh, you understand it, and sometimes it's good for you, sometimes it's not, but you should at least understand that option. Don't make it an emotional decision. So there's a couple different chapters that, that individuals file, Chapter 7 versus Chapter 13, generally And that speaking. means the statute, that's what you're referring to? Correct, okay. yeah. And um, so Chapter 7 is the liquidation chapter. The majority of Chapter 7 cases are done in about three months. Uh, then it takes about 12 to 18 months to rebuild your credit, get back into the 700 credit score. Can you describe liquidation for those who yeah, don't know? Yeah, of course. So with, with a Chapter 7, the liquidation is if you have non-exempt assets, you actually pay that value to your creditors. For example, if you had a car that was worth $10,000, you can exempt some of it. But if after exemptions, you have 5000 left, you'd have to give 5000 to your creditors. Then the remaining debt is discharged. It goes away. Uh, the good part about it, there's no tax liability, like if a loan was forgiven. And it's a pretty straightforward process. You know, if you're working with an experienced bankruptcy attorney, you're, you're going to get through it 90-something percent of the time without any issue. Mm. Um, chapter 13, a little different. It's a repayment plan where you repay a portion of the debt over a three- to five-year period. Once again, they, they uh, will do the liquidation analysis. You have to pay at least what they would get in a Chapter 7. And we put a budget together based on your last six months worth of income and expenses and whatever's left over, uh, whatever the discretionary income left over is you pay to your creditors. And I'm sure that that financial background you had even before law school helps, helps you with this. Yeah, I, I've always been a numbers guy. I love working with numbers. And um, 
it, it definitely plays into that because I'm working more with numbers than anything within the bankruptcy. That's good because I hate numbers. I hate math. <laughs> uh, wasn't my favorite subjects. Uh, but, you know, if someone's listening to this and they say, you know, I don't, I mean, it sounds, it sounds good, too good to be true. You know, what are the, you know, what times should they come to you to seek advice? Like they're down to their last pennies or they're, they're, they lost their job. What, what's the situation where someone says, I need to speak to Chad? So I, I say earlier is better. Uh, when you come in to me, it really is a consultation. We're sitting there, we're talking, and I'm, I'm guiding you through. And I'll let you know, hey, you're here too early if you're here too early. I'd rather you come earlier than later. Some of the warning signs that I say look out for, if you find yourself borrowing money from family members, if you find yourself falling behind in credit cards, falling behind in your mortgage, um, believe it or not, some people pay their credit cards but won't pay their rent and mortgage. Mm. Um, they say, well, it's a lesser payment. I can actually make that. I can't make the full payment there. If, you're, if you see yourself doing that, stop immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, need a, you need a roof over your head. Right. You know, American Express will be fine. Bank of America will be fine. But if you don't have your house, you know, yeah. what are you, you going to do? Absolutely. So. That's great advice. And during this time, you're, I mean, have, how's business been? Are you seeing an uptick? Are you seeing uh, more people reaching out for help and assistance? So bankruptcies nationwide are down 41% uh, year to date. And last year actually was, um, was low as well. We're seeing a little, little bit of an uptick this month. Um, business bankruptcies are up. So we're seeing more businesses. Uh, it was my prediction. Businesses would come first. The businesses would file bankruptcy first. And then the individuals. We're going to see more individuals file in 2021, I believe, after we see the shakeout of whether it'll be a stimulus, whether there won't whether they're going to forgive all my debt, whether they won't. Yeah. Um, so I, I think a lot of people are just frozen and, and with the moratoriums and, and different things that are going on with the courts, I think that's also slowing, slowing people's decision-making because they don't have to make a move. Um, but while this is going on, even if you don't have to make a move, you know, talk to somebody and, and uh, just figure out what your long-term play is. I feel yeah. like a lot of people are just trying to make it day to day. They're not thinking, okay, how do I rebuild a year from now, five years from now, 10 years yeah. from now? Like, that, how do I survive 2020? Those future, <laughs> future goals is, is the thing. And a lot of people, you're right, are, are just prospecting, you know, a month later, three months later. And, um, you know, the, the future forecast is really what we also focus on in, in business. So, um, going to turn the attention there a little bit as far as, you know, you don't, you guys don't just do bankruptcy. Nope. I mean, you have many different areas if you want to just go into what it is that Van Horn Law Group offers as well, other than bankruptcy. Yeah, so I, I wanted to be, uh, and I made a conscious decision that when, when um, clients come in, I don't want to feel like I'm selling them on a bankruptcy um, because I feel like I'd be doing a disservice because sometimes bankruptcy is not the best option. Sometimes we just need to negotiate the debt uh, and we do debt negotiation where we try to reach a, a reasonable settlement with the creditors and you make your payments. And it keeps you out of bankruptcy. Also, um, we do foreclosure defense which, which and loan modifications, which can keep you out of the Chapter 13 system. Uh, I use the Chapter 13 system for foreclosure as a backdrop, as a way to save the home um, versus as the first thing that we do. Uh, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor, they, hey, take this pill, call me tomorrow before you, before you go into surgery. Uh, so we take that approach as well. Um, we, we've built a staff of about 40 people now and, and um, we're, we have experts in our chapter 7 or 13, our loan modification, our state litigation department. Uh, so we have some clients that come in 
and they're being sued by somebody they've never heard of before and they don't have the documents and so sometimes we'll, we'll fight those also consumer issues you know debtor uh, creditor harassment a lot of the clients that are coming in are being harassed they want that to stop so we help them with that so we have a pretty well well-rounded practice all focused on dealing with individual and small business debt issues right um yeah and that's you know one of the things that i really commend you on uh would be your your marketing uh not only yourself but your business um and i've actually taken a couple pages out of your book uh and i you know i've noticed that there's so many different ways to get in touch with chad um and i think that just access itself is something that you specialize in um and you know you want to talk about maybe the fact that anyone through any medium can pretty much reach out to talk to you yeah you know the old old school attorneys seem to make it difficult for you for the normal person to get on their calendar and i I think there was just this air of you know attorneys are i I don't know on a a different level and there has to be a, a process that you have to follow through I kind of broke through that mold. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, like I, I respond to emails, I respond to Facebook messages and people are like, are you, and like, it's funny when I respond on Facebook messages, is this a bot? And I'm like, <laughs> no, this is Chad. <laughs> like, they're like, really? I'm like, yep. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm an active owner. I'm not, a, not a yeah. passive owner. And, uh, even like make, even making the consultation, I made it super easy. There's, there's a link that you go to, to make the consultation. I have, um, a VIP link for, uh, referrals that, that I get, that I give out as well. And I give everybody a free consultation. And as we were, we were discussing off the air a little bit, so, you know, sometimes it's not something that I can help them with, but I try to at least give them some good advice and get them. Like if I get a personal injury client, I say, Hey, call my buddy, Justin, he'll hook you up. Um, so it's not necessarily a client that I'm taking, but I'm, I'm helping them by getting them to a quality right. attorney. And so. just a reminder to everyone, not every lawyer knows every single aspect of the law <laughs> and every statute imaginable. So, yeah, but at least you have the resources. And I think that's part of your social network in Florida, um, marketing yourself. And it goes a long way because you, I mean, you've established yourself not only as a businessman, but also as, um, uh, a, a volunteer, you're, you're chairman of the board of Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is an incredible achievement, um, giving back to your community. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I mean, this is our community, Fort Lauderdale, Broward County, um, South Florida in general. So I, I feel like when you're part of a community, it's not you can't just take, take, take. There's so much to take in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, there's so many great aspects of it from, from the beach to the people to the restaurants uh, to the parks. Um, so if you're just taking and not giving anything back, you know, you're not really part of the community. So I, I'm, I know that I want to be here long-term and I've known that for a long time now. So I wanted to make sure that I was, I was getting involved and, um, big brothers, big sisters matches, you know, what I believe in and mentorship really can change lives. And, and we talked a little bit about it before, you know, I, I get, I give you a little bit of of advice. I give you a a little information and then you take and you run with it. Opportunity. Exactly. It's, it's not like I'm there every day, like yelling, Justin, you have to do this, Justin, you have to do that. And the the same with mentors with me, they just show me certain things. I'm like, Oh, that's how you do it. Okay. I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. And then, and a lot of people don't even realize like that was meaningful, right? It was just something that I've just pointed out or that 
uh, one of my mentors just pointed out, and I was like, oh, that connected a dot for me. And uh, in, with Big Brothers Big Sisters, we call it that spark moment, where where the kids like, oh, wait, I could do this. Yeah, yeah, like I don't have to live like this, or I don't have to. And then they st- they start striving for more, and it affects in many different ways. So that's awesome, and you see it firsthand, which is the best part about when when you give uh, your time or your money or whatever, knowing what it goes to is, I think, the most fulfilling. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And then, um, you know, so your company has 40 employees. You've been named the Inc. Uh, fastest growing company two years in a row, right? Going, going for three. Going for three. Um, yeah. How are you selected for that? How does, how did that process happen? So, so basically they, they send you a form and it's percentage of revenue growth, uh, over this year, over the last three years, I believe they take the average. And, and they, everybody that submits, they, if you're in the top, they, they send you a little plaque. So you are the fastest growing. There's not multiple companies. No, no, there's 5,000. Okay. That's amazing. (laughs) And I'm not number one yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's 5,000 of them. Yeah. There's 5,000 companies. I I forget what number we are on that list, but, um, yeah. That's awesome. Great. Um, and so back to the, I mean, 40 employees, I mean, holy cow. Yeah, it's crazy. I have um, going on, I think, 12 coming up here in uh, October. That's awesome. And um, yeah, I guess I'm following in the footsteps of 40, <laughs> 40 different personalities, 40 different um, you know, people coming to you with problems, mm-hmm. hopefully coming with you with solutions as well. <laughs> you know, how do you, do you find that to be the hardest part of, of owning and operating Van Horn Logger? Well, yeah, the HR is is definitely the hardest part. The, I mean, the reason that we've grown so much and the reason that we're successful is because of the people. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, you're not guaranteed a great employee when you hire them, right? There's a lot that goes into it. You got to make sure you're putting them in the right place. You got to make sure you're training them. Um, you got to make sure it's the right time in their life too, because you're dealing with people. These aren't robots, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people are going through tons of different things, especially in, in this era. And you really got to have that open door where you talk to them. So um, the, we're celebrating this month. I have three uh, employees that have been with me for 10 years. Oh, my God. Yeah, so th- they must be crazy. Uh, <laughs> but they, they, they're cornerstones for me, too. Like I, I know when you build that relationship over 10 years, like I don't have to second guess anything. Like I know what they're thinking. I know what they're doing. And I know they have good intentions. So um, to have that core uh, is fantastic. And then you just grow that core and you just keep bringing more people into the core. And, uh, and when, when you have a core group that really cares about people and wants to deliver, it's amazing what we can do. Are you, are you a type of, uh, would you qualify yourself as a micromanager? Do you provide, you know, those 10 year, um, tenured, uh, employees, are you, I mean, are you giving them their autonomy to, you know, uh, manage over their departments or how, how does the structure work? Yeah. So I, I'm the exact opposite of a micromanager. Um, I hire people and, and I trust them and I, and obviously I'm, I'm, I don't put people in a place where they can really hurt me or the clients too bad, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just say, Hey, here's your job. Do it. If you need help, I'll train you on everything. And they usually shadow somebody else in the firm, but I'm not looking over their shoulder. Um, and if they give me a reason not to trust them, then obviously I have to spend more time with them. And if it really gets to a point, then I, then we just go separate ways. Uh, I, I think that it doesn't benefit either side to be in a bad relationship. So, 
Um, if it's not a good fit for the firm if, and, and the employee is still staying there, I think it's incumbent on me to let that person go for them as well. Because I, I don't want somebody coming to work every day like, oh, it's miserable. I got to go to Van Orlog or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like, well, then don't. Yeah. Like, there are other places to work. Like, you could be doing other things. Exactly. And we have a different environment. I mean, you've been in the, in the environment. We have music playing. It's a loud environment. It's an active environment. And some people, they just want to, like, sit in a corner and, like, do their work. And, and that's it. That's really not necessarily the environment that we have. Right. Doesn't doesn't mean that that's a bad employee. It's just a bad fit. So, right. so I go through the interview process, and I actually, I interview everybody, as as well as my office manager uh, Martha, and we've had a pretty good uh, track record uh, over the years, and we're getting better at it. Yeah, and something that I was interested in in, in regards to. Um, and I know that we've had these discussions before about hiring people and the whole hiring process. I mean, that's got to be, in my mind, it's one of the most important aspects of, of obviously HR, picking the right people. You want the, as uh, Jim Collins says in Good to Great, you want the right people on the bus, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Are, are there tools or, or things that you use during your hiring process that separates, you know, the way you choose great talent or great people? So, yes, uh, certainly. And I've gotten much better over the years. I, Admittedly, I, I believe I was very weak uh, at the hiring and firing process early in my career. I, I certainly uh, never wanted to fire anybody because it's an awkward thing. Um, you know, sometimes people cry. You know, they really need the job or, or, or whatever. But then I realized what I said earlier that it's best for both sides yeah. normally when when that happens. Um, as far as the hiring process, what I try to do because it, it, it is a weird process. You're you know, you know the person's trying to put their best foot forward. And me, as an employer, I'm trying to get to know who this person is. Because there's a lot of things that I can do for like one hour, and I would look fantastic at it. <laughs> right? But if, if I had to do it every day, 40 hours a week for 10 years, you'd be like, all right, this guy's not yeah. good at this. So you can fake it for a short period of time. But I, I need grinders. I need people that day after day will come in. I don't, I don't want somebody that's like a sprinter, like, yeah. okay, I'm done. And that's then, you in flag football. Exactly, me in flag football. <laughs> he's good for an hour, then he's done, folks. That's he's it. He's done. That's why if we ever go to overtime, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so what I, what I try to do is I ask different questions. I ask questions like, you know, who, who's the smartest person you know, and why, why are they smart? Uh, and you really get to see, okay, are, am I going to get a politically correct? Oh, my mom, because she has a high IQ score. Like, it's like, okay. It doesn't really tell them much about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or can I really get to know something about you? And you start asking questions like that and really how they think and how they process information. And, and most importantly, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm bringing in a genuine person that's going to fit with, uh, fit with our team because our, our team's pretty brutal if you're not, uh, real, like if you come yeah. in and and uh, you're not going to be part of the group or whatnot, uh, you, you're not going to last long, unfortunately. I hear you. Um, so we we try to do the same, or I try to do the same, and and focusing on, you know, more so not getting cookie cutty cutter answers from people. And you actually have helped me on some of the questions I remember asking you right when <laughs> I was starting. I'm like, oh, I'm finally hiring someone, Chad. What do I ask? <laughs> Um, and we don't have to disclose some of those things, but, <laughs> but, um, it was, it was good conversation and, and that's what it's about. It's like getting to know the person because, you know, the work atmosphere is your second home and you want to have people that you actually enjoy 
working with in your second home. Um, which brings me to Van Horn's like um, mission statement or, or values. Do you have principles or values or things that your entire staff knows? Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and our, our number one thing, you know, it's the golden rule, treat others how, how you would, you'd want to be treated. But that runs across the board. Uh, we, we make, we deal with people that have made millions and we deal with people that literally are homeless and are trying to save up money just to get like an efficiency to stay in. And I want to make sure that the experience for both of those people are, are both the same. So whoever's coming in that door, you're going to be greeted by Sophia, who's fantastic. She's going to offer you coffee, tea, whatever drinks you want. You're going to get a first class experience from, from beginning to end. As long as you're respectful, you know, we, we, we certainly want people to be respectful when they come, come into our office as well. And that's our, and I think that's our best attribute is, you know, whatever you're going through, it's, it's not, not a judgment place. Like, look, we all have gone through things. We're all going through things, uh, we're together. All human. Exactly. <laughs> we're all human. So when you come in and people are like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I'm dealing with this. It's like, look, if you knew who I, who I've worked with in the past, <laughs> if I, if I published a list, you'd be like, wait, that person filed bankruptcy. They're so smart that they're very <laughs> successful. I'm like, yeah, smart people file bankruptcy. Successful people yeah. file bankruptcy. Walt Disney filed bankruptcy. I mean, yeah, it's the best walking in your office seeing some of the. I mean, you have this all the celebrities posted around like your waiting room that have filed bankruptcy. Yep. And I find that that's awesome because you're you're really breaking down the stigma uh, and helping people understand that it's there for a reason and everyone can go through it. For and, sure. And, yeah. So that that's awesome. Um, so. What does Chad do personally in his personal life to stay focused, to stay on top of tasks, to, to really be able to manage and run this company to be one of the fastest growing, according to Inc.? Yeah, yeah. So uh, stress management obviously is, uh, is most important for me. Um, so what I, what I do is I, I have a fantastic trainer. I, I break up my week. I break up my days. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I leave the office. I train in the middle of the day. And it's a gap, but I come in earlier, I work later to make up the hours. Um, but it, it lets me like free my mind uh, when I'm working out. All I'm concentrating on is the next run, catching my next breath, having some water. And I'm not thinking about, oh my God, this judge yeah. needs that or opposing counsel saying that. So you got to do things that, that can free your mind. You know, the mind is a, a fantastic thing, but it can be a dangerous thing too if you don't control it. And uh, I'm sure we've, we've all been there where... Uh, you can't sleep because you have this hearing coming up or you have a big meeting or whatnot. Um, so the more that you can, and I, I've, I do yoga, I meditate, work out, uh, try to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many good restaurants around yeah. me to, to, to do that. But, but really it's just concentrating on uh, keeping control of your mind. And, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm lucky to have a lot of great people, my, my, my wife, my mom, uh, my brother, all my friends and family that that keep me pretty balanced. Good, so. good support for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's interesting that you mention uh, kind of the break in the middle of the day. You know, if if the people have if if anybody listening has the luxury of doing that, uh, it's one of the best things to utilize. We're actually um, in one of my book clubs. We're reading the uh, uh, it's called When. It's by um, 
I got to find the author again. <laughs> I'm going to come back to this and, and find the author. But anyway, uh, it basically discusses the power of timing, like during your daily schedule and when you should be doing things and, and all that. Uh, and what it does is uh, taking a break in between, like even 10 to 15 minutes, of taking your mind off, off something. Uh, basically, it will, will help you from staying help you to stay focused once you get back in like we have certain amount of energy that our brain is using daily and you need to be able to replenish you can't just sit down and crank out 10 hours and that's not your most efficient self and it's scientifically backed and goes through all the quotes and things about that yeah i think i read a study about that where they you know they compare it to a runner right you you don't uh, a marathon runner doesn't sprint like his first mile isn't his fastest mile. It was, the author was Daniel Pink. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, and he also talks about um, something called an, um, uh, where you take, you know, my friend calls it a nappuccino. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to mention it because I tried it and it, it actually works where you drink a cup of coffee before taking a nap. Hmm. and the caffeine doesn't hit you for 20, 25 minutes. And after that nap, you're up and you're pumped. You're ready to go. Anyway, maybe you should try it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give so it anything. You're, you're working out a with a trainer in the middle of the day, which is, which, which is very nice. I don't think a lot of people have the luxury of doing that. But basically, if you have the five or 10 minute breaks, which wherever you're working, I think some places are legally supposed to give you those breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely take advantage of them. Um, one other thing that I've read about, and I don't know if, if you do this for your office, but not having people eat lunch at their desk. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We, we, don't, we don't do that. That's yeah. not Are that's there not any good. rules in your office that maybe you use for efficiency or, or, or helping the staff be more efficient? Yeah, so that, that, that's a big one is I, I, I encourage people to take those breaks. So like if you're taking a lunch break, we, we have a, a really nice lunchroom. It's a big space. It's an inviting space. And, and the reason for that is... If you're sitting at one place for an entire day, that's not healthy. And um, you know, some people think, well, I'm, I'm getting more time in or I'm, I'm doing some work while I'm eating lunch. It's like, no, no, you need a break. So, uh, so that's it. Um, you know, a big thing that we do as, as well is we do a lot of group events. Mm-hmm. Um, like this past weekend, we did a, uh, a team scavenger hunt. Oh, cool. Where, where we had people going all, going all around. It was, they had to take pictures. I gave them clues. They had to, had to take pictures of places like, where, where's my barber shop? Or what's, which is Nobleman's. Shout out to Nobleman's. <laughs> and, uh, and they went over and took a picture. It was funny because all these, all these businesses, local businesses, are like, why is this Van Horn crew like, just taking pictures <laughs> of a random <laughs> thing? So it was kind of cool. Um, so we, we do a lot of those things. Uh, we, we do at least four Saturday meetings like that which people are actually excited to come to, which it's Saturday, 8 a.m., their day off. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's it, it's a hard thing to have people excited to do it. But when they get there, we're tossing the football around, we're, we're telling stories, and and it's a lot of fun. Then, we, of course, we do our end-of-year end of party, which is usually a pretty pretty good party. Um, so, really, it's just treating them like humans, like, you know, understanding that they're going to have good days, bad days, and always, always telling them that, you know, everybody has says they have an open door policy, but literally, like I, I tell people, just come to me if there's any issues, if there's anything I can help out with. Um, you know, I, I've I've had employees come to me like, oh, you know, I need uh, two hundred dollars to make rent. Um, can I just do it? We have a program where you can get up to twenty five hundred dollar loans, zero percent interest that you pay back. Um, I don't. Yeah, I've never I, heard of that before ever. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want my 
employees going to like a loan shark paying $5,000 for a $2,500 loan. And then they're stressed about that. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to bring that stress into work while we're dealing with clients that are stressed. Yeah. And <laughs> that's just a recipe Not for good. disaster. So anything I can do basically to, to keep the stress levels low yeah, within my team. It's so important because you're right. People have other things that they're dealing with. I mean, no matter what it is, family members, friends, toxic relationships, uh, money issues, rent, mm-hmm. you know, especially right now. So I mean, when I'm uh, either hiring or talking to current staff here, like the people I work with, I want them to not be thinking about outside influences. For sure. Um, and on top of it, not bringing it into the office because then it becomes almost like an infection. Like pe- you know, mm-hmm. people talking about it between themselves, and, and then they're not they're not actually working. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's very important, and it's great that they're buying into the Saturday uh, events. It means yeah. they really they really care for sure, um, which is great. The um, you know for on your personal journey, do you ever uh, do you recommend any uh, courses, seminars, uh, things that maybe you've attended to um, learn about your area or just in general? So I'm a big Malcolm Gladwell fan. So any Malcolm Gladwell books. Um, uh, I, that's like blink and, uh, yep. outliers and yeah, outliers was the first one that, that I read. And then, um, Goliath, um, I think is the name Goliath. It's basically the, the, the Goliath story, but it's, it's telling why, why Goliath was the underdog in the fight anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it just takes an interesting perspective as, as he does on many things. Um, Another thing that I went to is the the Ritz Carlton has a training for, um, and you train like you're going to work at the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> yeah, cool. it, and it trains you in service. It trains you in service how to speak to people. Um, something as simple, and I remember as you know when, um, and I tell this to my team when we used to work at one of, when I used to work at one of the restaurants, and you'd come back and check on the food, you would never say, "Hey, is everything okay." Because you never wanted it to be okay. You want it to be incredible. So you mm. use a, a different adjective. You say, right. it's, you know, is everything perfect? Is everything amazing? Is everything right. incredible? Because if you say, is everything okay? They're going to say, yes, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, no. Is, is this the best thing you've ever had in your life? <laughs> it's all about language. As For you sure. can see there. Um, so that's interesting because I, I like to focus personally on, on people's language, uh, whether it's their words, their body language, their... Um, you know their tone, those types of things, because uh, um, the statistic is something like only seven percent of communication is actually words, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's that's very interesting. Do you do you use that when you're also speaking with with clients, or you know? Oh, certainly, yeah, cer- certainly. Um, you know, I I speak to fifteen to twenty clients a day, and I have to, and it's become easier now because. More people know who we are, what we're about, uh, just from being out in the commu- community for for over a decade now. Um, but when you first get started, you know, people are like, "Well, why should I work with you? You're like 12 years old. Should I <laughs> should I work with somebody that that's been doing this longer?" And and you really get used to communicating with them. It's like, "Look, I'm going to work hard for you. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to get this done." But when you're re- even when you can do that, you have to read the other side to make sure that they're being honest with you as well. Um, you know the some of the wor- worst cases that I've had are cases that I should have never taken. I should have realized that there was something off just by the way that they were acting or whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
And if you can't get your client to tell you the truth, I mean, your industry, my industry, whatever, if you, if you as a client don't trust your attorney, just don't work with that attorney. Find an attorney you can trust because you have to tell your attorney everything. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you don't, then there's usually bad results that come from that. So, um, so that, that's probably been uh, over the years reading body language and seeing, okay, right. there's something missing here. <laughs> I hear you. And, and so I'm only a couple, I'm probably I think three years behind you. Um, and in your experience, obviously, one of the one of the kind of comments that we get sometimes is you're you're so young, or like should should I be dealing with someone more experienced? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know, feeding off of that, what is Van Horn's competitive edge? What is you know, even if they if they say you're too young, you're too inexperienced, or, or should I go with someone more experienced? What are the other things? Um, that you mention to them to say, well, we're different than other firms or other lawyers. Yep. So first off, it's the people, the people that I work with, I'll put, I'll put my people up against anybody. I mean, they're just, they're, they're the best. They really care. They make it a seamless, um, case for you and they're doing the little things. Um, as far as experience comes, I, everybody measures experience in years, which I think is crazy. Mm. Um, you know, if if I became a personal injury attorney tomorrow, does that make me a more experienced personal injury attorney than you because I've been an attorney longer? No, <laughs> of course not. It really matters how many cases you've been involved in. And um, within bankruptcy, when something goes wrong, when that creditor challenges something or the trustee pushes back, that's when you really see the good bankruptcy lawyers step up. And um, I mean, you know me, I'm a fighter. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm ready for the fight. And I, I think people can tell that I don't know if it's the beard or the long hair or whatnot. They know that if there's a fight and and, and my client's working with me on this, you know, I'll, I'll go to bat for my client. That's mm-hmm. my job. My job is to fight. And and you've probably seen this in your practice that there's some lawyers that aren't aren't up for the fight. They're like, ah, you know, I'm yeah. I'm out. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, good good luck. Uh, I'm not really down for it. And and people know that when they sign up with me, the case is most likely going to go through and it's going to be great. If there is an issue, though, I'm going to step up and I'm going to fight for them. And as a client, that's what I would want. I would want somebody that certainly has done this before mm-hmm. and has done this many times before. And now we, I think we're over 3,000 cases at this point. So we've seen almost everything. Top uh, five filers in, uh, in Florida, right? Top five filers in Florida. Meaning top, out of all the law firms that yeah. do what you do, you're top five in how many cases you filed. Correct. Uh, top 25 in the country, I believe, right at wow. this point too. So, um, so yeah. So we're, we we certainly have the volume, but we also have the people that that fight and and are and are, are very smart. And it's hard to imagine that somebody doing it for a decade, uh, you know, has not seen almost every angle <laughs> of this particular field. So mm-hmm. to tell you that you're an experience would be laughable. Yeah, yeah, and it, and I I have friends uh, that work for big firms in different places that. Um, they call me whenever they have a unique situation because those, the, the big firm attorneys are brilliant, but they don't see all the stuff that, that we get to see like uh, as a smaller firm and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, when this happens, what do I do? And I'm like, oh, I have a pleading for that. I'll, sh- I'll shoot that. <laughs> They're like, how the hell did you see this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've done thousands yeah. of cases. Right. Like they work one case for five years. Yeah. Right. And I, I do in five years, I'll do a couple thousand cases. So you just see different situations. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. Where do you find the time to write the debt life? This guy <laughs> is not only with, you know, running this practice and chairman of the board and 
of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, but you wrote a book. Yeah. Uh, and I think this isn't even your first book. Yeah, that's right? the second book. Yep. Second book. Yeah. Um, it, and for all of you uh, that are interested, The Debt Life just came out this uh, this year, mm-hmm. um, selling for $9.95. Yep. TheDebtLife.com on Amazon. Yeah. Excellent. And you want to tell us a little bit uh, more about the book? Yeah, certainly. So uh, The Debt Life, once again, it's to get the stories out there of hope. It's get, to get the stories out there of people, actual clients that I've worked with that have successfully dealt with debt and figured it out, worked with me and figured it out. Uh, there, there's some stories in there that didn't necessarily work out because the client did something else. Uh, obviously, we didn't use real names or real case numbers, even though all, most of this is all public record. Um, and I, I reached out to the clients and gave them all um, a little present with an, uh, an advanced copy of the book that were in it. They were really excited. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's really about inspiration. It's about saying, okay, this person was in a situation worse than mine and they bounced back and look how successful they are. So there's a lot of people out there right now that, that don't feel like they have any hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're going to get through this. I mean, it, this is temporary. I don't know how temporary <laughs> because right. I thought we'd be done with this by now, but um, you know, this is temporary. We're going to get through it, but don't lose sight that you still have goals. And maybe the goals are delayed, but, and maybe you have to change your plan on how to get to that goal. But still yeah. remember you have goals and get after Keep them. pushing and, and look, there are tools available to you. And if you want to want to learn about those tools, it's a great book to listen to the stories or hear the stories. Uh, and then also reach out to Chad. Mm-hmm. Now I left the juiciest part of the interview toward the end. Uh-oh. Uh, a lot of people, and I'm not going to ask for any sort of p- political affiliation <laughs> or anything like that, but a lot of people are interested right now in, you know, just a couple weeks ago, Donald Trump's tax returns were released. We know a little bit about his background business-wise. Uh, most people think he's a very successful businessman. I don't necessarily want your opinion. I'm just curious if you can inform the, the public and the people who are listening a little bit about maybe, if you know, how he used these bankruptcy uh, laws, you know, kind of to his benefit and, and you know, what, what's going on there? Yeah. So, and, and I actually, there's some of this in the book as well. In, in the debt life book, we talked, there's a chapter about, um, celebrity and famous people, uh, bankruptcies. Um, I'm, I'm independent, so, uh, don't hold that against me. So both sides are going to hate me now. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but the way that, uh, Donald Trump and other, um, other businessmen use the bankruptcy code basically is, uh, if a business gets over leveraged, um, like one of the casinos or whatnot, which I, I don't understand how a casino can get over leveraged. They're like printing money. Can you define over leverage? Uh, m- meaning that the debt exceeds the value of the assets. Yep. Um, what you do is you put the company into chapter 11 and then you can bring down the debt to the value of the assets. So if when you have the reorganized debtor, uh, unfortunately what happens are the shareholders get wiped out. The new owner basically gets a great deal. Let's say um, there's a hundred million invested the actual liquidation value of the assets is 50 million. The new owner is going to have that hundred million dollars worth of investment for 50 million. So they get it at 50%. Oh. So it, you know, and there's, and these are those big time lawyers that are talking to, talking to you about up in New York. These are the ones that are coming up with those strategies and whatnot. Uh, that just recently happened in Sears as well. 
uh, the Sears CEO try to m- make a move that, that Trump would do. And uh, I think he, he got caught and um, because he, he was trying to run up the debt that was owed to him and then use that money to, to take over um, Sears, which owns a lot of property. So even if the business isn't doing well, obviously the real estate has value to it. Mm-hmm. So there's there are a ton of those high level strategies. Um, you know, honestly, it's out of my pay grade. Yeah, I know. I it notice mean, it. <laughs> yeah, and based on what you just said, does it mean that he, you know, he opens a new company to take over the old, and then the, so he gets to be that that new owner that's yeah. taking advantage of lowering the debt to the level of the assets. Yep, that's usually what happens, and and he doesn't have any personal guarantees on the debt or whatnot, but, and uh, and then the new company comes out and it's wildly successful, mm-hmm. and um, and now you have half the basis going into it. So, so you're potentially you could just open companies, close, keep opening, close. What's the what's the disadvantage? Well, the, yeah, the problem with the problem with it is you and I couldn't just go to Bank of America and say, "Hey, you know, I need a hundred million dollar uh, line of credit," and you could just secure it on on these assets. They're going to want a personal guarantee. They're going to want to secure it by our personal residence. You know? yeah. <laughs> but when you're when you're a big name company and whatnot, you know they'll, they'll take those risks during certain times. And so. What what recently came out was he had what was it four hundred billion in personal guarantee on his tax wow. on, on his tax I didn't even see Some, that. something like that and so and they're wondering who they owe that like Donald owes that money to jeez um, so that could be the I guess his bankruptcy filings catching up to him basically it, it could be if there were personal guarantees on that yeah I, yeah I, I I I that's that's crazy I mean. Um, when you're at that level, banks will give you money. Yeah. I mean, banks will throw throw money at you when you're at that level. Um, you know, we're not there yet. Give us another year <laughs> or two. Uh, maybe I'll have 400, yeah. mil, 400 mil in personal guarantees. But I, right. I, in my, because of my career, I feel like I've uh, become debt adverse. So yeah. like I, I like to pay off everything. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I don't, know, I don't know what it was. I mean, just having student loan debt in general, which, by the way, is another area that Chad focuses in. Uh, he's able to help in that. If anybody's listening has student loan debt, I mean, you want to briefly tell you, you know, how, how you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was my own first client. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that, uh, it was it, that, that practice area came out of necessity. Um, so, so basically there, there's a lot going on with student loans right now. There's a ton of different programs for the federal student loans, some programs for the private student loans. So what we do is we, we just take an or- organic approach where we just look at everything and uh, and then come up with a plan on best best ways to attack it. Uh, the worst thing to do is listen to your servicer because they don't care about you. Yeah. Um, so if you call, you know, a Sally Mae or Navian or whoever, they may give you good advice. They may not. They don't care. You're never going to talk to that same person again anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, some people are trying and they just don't know. Um, so it's it's better to have have somebody like us take a look at it to make sure you're in the right programs. Make sure that you're qualifying for loan forgiveness. Um, we're doing more uh, bankruptcy dischargeability actions, especially because it's an undue hardship um, standard that we have to meet. And with this pandemic, I'm using that um, to show like this is an undue hardship. I mean, this just adds to it. And the judges have been receptive to it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. I heard Joe Biden might forgive all the student loan debt. Oh, really? How, just how, would that, how would that go for your business? Well, I'd be fine with it. 
you know, if, if, but I, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but but yeah, he came out and then, and then they walked it back a little bit where it's only going to be certain colleges Mm -hmm. and a 10,000 for everybody else and whatnot. Uh, if I were a betting man, you know, I don't think that's going to go through. I, I think that there may be some bankruptcy alternative in the future for uh, student loans, um, other than the undue hardship. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens in November. If Trump was your client, mm-hmm. I'm going back to this because I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, you said you treat all clients the same. A homeless guy walks in mm-hmm. or someone who's just you know trying to get on their feet, and then Trump walks in your office. Uh, is there any other particular advice you'd give the president at this time? I'd refer him out. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I mean, to, that, yeah, that, uh, I mean, represent I, him. Well, it, it, it's it's. I think it's important for attorneys to know what what they're good at and, and what they're not so good at. And honestly, at that level, I mean, I, I would be. I feel like I'd be useful as an advisor. But when it gets to that level, if we took on one client like that, I'd have to have all forty people in my firm. And I'd have to hire people and I just have to change my entire model. Yeah. And if you ever do that for one client, then that client basically owns you. Mm-hmm. So I, I never wanted to get to the point where, you know, one client just dominates my firm because then if the client comes back to me and says, Hey, I don't want to pay you. I want this for free or I'm leaving. Then I'd have to agree to that. And then <laughs> they have complete control over you. And yeah, so, so, we, and, and I've, I've actually been brought on at, as an advisor uh, in larger cases, because I sometimes see angles that, that maybe um, other lawyers that don't have my experience would, wouldn't see. But as far as like large cases, we deal small businesses and, and individuals. Um, generally speaking, when I talk about small business and individuals, it's 10 million less revenues debt. Um, so if, if a big client came in, I, I certainly would talk to them, but, but I would find another firm. Yeah. Especially if it's a if it's a politician, there there are special firms that specialize in dealing with politicians. Right. So. so you also mentioned you do foreclosure defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so in the different areas, you're foreseeing small businesses filing bankruptcy. You're seeing then probably individuals after that. What are you seeing in the housing markets? The housing market's crazy right now. Um, so there's not much inventory, at least in in Broward County. So prices are staying steady. Uh, interest rates are low. Uh, so people that do have good credit and, and have kept their jobs are buying real estate. Um, uh, the there's a more there's a, there was a moratorium on foreclosures that that just expired. Uh, that going to lead to an increase in business for you? For sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm already seeing people that are coming in. Um, also, the the mortgage companies what they do it, it it's incredible. They give you this uh, forbearance of three months, six months. And then at the end of that three or six months, they expect you to pay all three or six months worth of payments. So what was the benefit of the forbearance? Because <laughs> if I just had to save the money <laughs> to give you it at the end, really didn't help me. If you put it on the end, that so I think our loan modification and negotiating with the bank, I think that's going to pick up here uh, shortly. And um, and we've actually um, hired a bunch of people. Uh, we've hired probably ten people in the last month. That's how, that's what got us up to forty. Wow. Or last two months. Yeah. So amazing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we talked about, uh, obviously the office, we talked about big brothers, big sisters, your, your book, the debt life, you know, is there anything else in, in Chad's life that's going on right now that people should be aware of? 
Yeah, uh, just got a new puppy. Oh. Yeah, his name's Chuckles. He's a okay. mini, mini golden doodle. He's the cutest little thing. <laughs> yeah, you should follow Chuckles on, on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, he's, he's taken over mine and my wife's uh, Facebook and, uh, yeah. and Instagram. Oh, and newly married. Congratulations. And yeah, thank you. Married uh, February 29th. Um, we got really lucky with that because yeah. uh, we had three 90-plus-year-old uh, aunts fly in uh, for that. And, and God bless, they're still healthy and, and everything's good there. Um, and, and really just, you know, just trying to get through like everybody else. I mean, there's, there's extra stress, uh, on all of us right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm just coming up with new things that we can do and, um, I'm happy that we got, got to get this done. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was very excited to have you on and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us and on the ways that you win. And obviously if you guys want to reach out to Chad, He's very available. He even talked to you on Facebook. He is not a bot. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you could reach out to him. Uh, you could see his website at www.vanhornlawgroup.com. Uh, is it okay to give them your email too? Yeah, of course. So of it's course. chad at cvhlawgroup.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other way they can get in touch with you? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, all a- any way that you see, because we we make it easy for people to get in contact with us. So okay. if, if you Google Van Horn Law Group, you'll find a way to get in touch with us. Awesome. <laughs> and don't don't forget to get your copy of the Debt Life for sure online, um, and you can hear all these amazing stories. And uh, I want to thank you, Chad, for for coming on board and giving us dropping some of your knowledge on us. We appreciate you. Hope you have you ba- have you back. Absolutely um, ha- happy to do it. Thank you for awesome. having me. All right, have a good weekend.